The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay. Hi, everyone. We have a guest here today, and I'm going to let Dr. Kyle introduce himself a little bit. If you can just talk about like your educational background, when, where you're practicing now. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm Dr. Kyle Polson. Uh, I went to school uh, in California uh, for undergrad and dental school. Dental school is at Loma Linda University School of Dentistry. Graduated in 2015. So I've been practicing for what, almost seven years. And uh, how far do you want me to keep going with this? Yeah, I could, I could talk forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of my next questions was just going to be, what was your journey like after graduating dental school with finding a job and everything? Um, so I, I didn't know any dentists growing up. Like I have no connections. I don't know anybody. My dad is a contractor um, turned tire salesman and my mom stayed home. And I want to be a dentist just because I had a really cool dentist as a kid. Um, my undergrad, as far as I know, I was the first one to go to dental school from it. So we were just kind of winging it. And so that kind of is important because translating into after dental school life, like I was pretty lost. Uh, I felt prepared, like clinically. I'd done a ton of extracurriculars. I was uh, good on clinic. I felt comfortable being a dentist, but didn't know how to like... I don't know, turn myself into one, I guess, business-wise, you know, uh, where to go, who to talk to, how to like be a partner, market myself, stuff like that. <clears throat> so I had every intention of um, working in a private practice, uh, owning something. I always knew I'd be an owner uh, in whatever capacity that meant. And I, I had this kind of vision to go back and partner at the office I grew up in, uh, which was a pediatric practice that GPs only did pedo. And so I was like kind of moving towards that and had talked to them and they, they turned me down at first, uh, came back a few years later and we can get to that, but uh, I ended up throwing out, uh, applications to a few private practices who were looking for partners and I just didn't find anything that felt worth worthwhile or just hiring associates. And, uh, I remember one guy, I was like, oh yeah, I have four operatories. You know, you can have one. It's like, okay, um, sure, whatever. And he's like, you're gonna have to bring all your own patients because the ones that are here are mine. And so you're gonna have to market your own patients. And you know, I don't want to have to stop and help you. And I don't want to. That's like, oh, I'm independent. Like I could figure that out. I guess I don't know. And I remember he had a Seric machine. I'm like, that's cool. He's like, yeah, but people don't appreciate it. So I scan it, and then I invert it in the software. And I mail it when they're gone and tell them I sent it to the lab. <laughs> I'm like, you're so backwards. Why would you do that? 
And I was just like, dude, this guy's crazy. And then he cut the lady's cheek with the drill and told her that she bit her cheek. And I'm like, that's like too much unethical for one day. So that didn't pan out. Um, I applied to a really high-end practice in San Luis Obispo because I was like, I'm going to move by the beach. And, you know, didn't get anything back from that. And I was looking, you know, kind of all over Southern California and just nobody wants to hire a new grad with no experience for somewhere uh, in a decent practice. You know, I, I think that there are obviously some because there are people who do it, but I didn't find anything. And so I ended up reaching out to Pacific Dental Services and like was 100% thinking like, it's not going to happen. Like I'll, I'll work for a while and bail, you know, and uh, went to interview in Northern California. That's where I'm from. That's where my family is. So it's like, I guess I'll move back to NorCal. And when I was interviewing up there, it just didn't feel right. I didn't, I didn't hit it off with the person who was interviewing me um, and kind of just fell into where I was in Menifee, California, which is Southern California. And we're like, a, we're an hour from everything. We're like an hour from San Diego, an hour from Carlsbad, from LA-ish, from Palm Springs. Like we're kind of just right in the middle. And I have some family who's down here. My wife's family's in Riverside. So it seemed like, it's like, yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool fit. And uh, it, it just really fit me like in my personality and it, it fit a whole lot better than I expected. And so, you know, years later I had this opportunity to partner in that office that I had always wanted at pediatric office and a person who's a, a very good friend of mine and a mentor, she's my manager for a long time was like, you have no idea what you're doing. Like you will hate yourself. Don't do it. And I'm so grateful to this day that I didn't because I don't know, man, I think if I was locked in a pediatric practice, I, I would have lost it by now. Yeah, it's definitely a certain personality to do peds, especially if you have your own children. Like it's just the the kids at the specialty offices are like the ones that really need to be there. So it can be draining if you don't have the specific personality for it, I think. It's really interesting that you said that because the doctor there, when I was talking to her, she said, I just need you to understand this one thing you'll use your energy. You won't have energy for your kids. Like you won't want to see your kids when you go home. And I was like, Oh man, that's, that's pretty heavy. Yeah. And obviously not what you decided was right for you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about, um, working for Pacific? Like what have been some of the pros and cons of like the DSO structure and, um, how do you like your role there? Yeah. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I went into it. I wouldn't say I was negative, but I was definitely um, probably more pessimistic than I should have just like very, very skeptical, like big time, like, you know, and I'd encourage you to ask hard questions, you know, for anything you're getting into, don't be afraid to figure it out. Um, but the, the office that I was in and the owner that I was working for, I think we're great people. The owner's awesome. She's super ethical, hardworking lady, great business mentor, um, you know, strategist, uh, kind person, you know? And so those are things that are really important to me. And if we're being honest, there are probably offices that are not quite like that, you know, and you'll, you'll have friends who go through it and, you know, DSO, not DSO. I think you got good people and you got bad people. And so I fell in with good people. And so I had a great experience because of the people I think that I was uh, associated with. <clears throat> and so as an associate, um, I think the camaraderie is, was really great for me because leaving school, I felt super lonely. You know, I, I was like the chair of, or co-chair or 
vice president or whatever of a bunch of different committees and ran a bunch of clubs and did all this stuff. And then it all comes to a screeching halt. And you just like say bye and you never see your best friends again because they move like across the country. So it was super depressing for me. And thank God I had my wife and my kids and stuff because it gave me something to do. But um, with Pacific Dental Services, I was uh, able to go to like orientation. And so it's like a you know few days where teach you kind of the basics of like, hey, you've worked for a couple months now. These are things that most people struggle with. These are things that can help you do better. These are things that can make you faster. And then at night you'd go and sit around, have a couple of drinks and talk to everybody and realize, oh my gosh, everybody feels as stupid as I do. This is great. You know? So having that support from other people, I think was really reassuring. Um, and being able to uh, ha- have those opportunities for growth and, and have other people give you feedback on where you can improve and, and what you can do and um, how you can be better, like a case acceptance. That's really what it was for me. It's, and, and for PDS, I think as a whole is, you know, not necessarily like diagnosing different or diagnosing aggressively or anything like that. It's just, how can you be better at doing more of what you say you want to do? And so if you can just do that, you're great. Cause so many of us, you know, patients don't even do a third, what we're suggesting. So you don't need to overdiagnose. You just need to be better at doing more. And so as you learn that and you're doing, um, you know, consistent dentistry, you're making a decent living. There's kind of that, that opportunity of, Hey, do you want to stick around? You're going to be an associate. Uh, everybody kind of hits this point. Like, are you going to leave? Are you going to be an owner? Are you going to move on into your own thing? And I think is that, that kind of fork in the road that people decide And that was when that pediatric partnership thing kind of came up. And I I was talking to a friend about it and he was really torn with a similar decision. Uh, I had already become an owner at the time. And he's like, I just don't know what to do. And I was like, are you happy? And he's like, yeah. I said, do you like your job? Yeah. Do you like the people you work with? Yeah. It's like, well, then why would you look for something else? And there's so many people who hate going to work every day. So if I love my job and I love my people and I'm making a good living, like I'm, I'm happy. I don't need to look like I, I love what I'm doing. Like, you know, whether other people think I should or not, I love it. And so I was, I was an owner after about a year and a half, um, probably closer to two years from graduation when I opened the doors to my practice. And we've been open about five years now. How has, I think that's, I guess I'm going to just go on a little response to what you were saying. I feel like that's one of the great things about Pacific is that you get that mentorship and you get that coaching from like so many great people and people that are doing the business well, that are doing the clinical skills well. And it makes it, I think, a lot easier to kind of replicate it and bring it to your community wherever you're opening up that office, it seems. Yeah, I think it's it's great in um in that there are so many systems in place. And if you can you know, kind of function within a system and tweak it to make it your own, but still like the basic bones are there and you go, yeah, I like this framework. It's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's, it's, you can replicate it and you can be successful with it. And so I I felt that way in school too, or in most of the things I do, like I always use this analogy is that there's always somebody in class who like makes flashcards, right? And if they're like, Hey, I want to share these flashcards. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm going to use your flashcards. But if I had to make my own, I just wouldn't do it. I, I feel like it took too much time. It wasn't efficient enough. I'd rather just, you know, cram and read through the PowerPoints and call it a day. And so I feel like that's kind of like what a model for, you know, at least the PDS DSO is, is like, Hey, we've come up with all these 
you know, partnerships, these relationships with vendors, these uh, strategies, and like here they are, kind of do what you want with them. And so it makes it so much easier than kind of building something from scratch. Did the office that you opened as owner, was it like totally de novo, like a brand new space? Okay. Yeah. So what were so some my, of the challenges with that? I'm sure that there were. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you're taking me back a bit. Um, the de novo, I think is really exciting because it's, it's very much yours, you know? And so that was attractive to me because I wanted the challenge of it. Uh, but I also just wanted to be able to make sure that the culture that I wanted for my practice was going to be alive there. And so the challenges I think are as a new owner, probably the biggest things is learning how to like hire and fire people. You know, it's, it's so hard uh, to figure out what you're getting out of somebody and what you can get, or those questions that you can ask to try to figure that out in a short period of time. And so over the years I've, you know, probably was really attracted to like very flashy, like, wow, this person knows so much. And I've gotten more towards this is a really good person. And I think good people who, who I almost cussed, uh, give a rip, you know, are uh, so much more valuable. And I'd rather work with them. I want to be surrounded by good people. I want people who treat people well, who say please and thank you, who are kind, who work hard, who want to earn it. Like those are the people that I'm attracted to. And so now it's like if I had two candidates and one is, oh, I've been working for 10 years, but they're kind of a jerk. And one who's straight out of school, but they have a heart of gold and they're just like dying to learn and dying to figure out like how to be better. That person is so much more attractive as somebody to work with and somebody to develop as an associate because, you know, I want to teach and they want to learn. Like we're going to get along really well versus somebody who goes, oh, I already know everything. Like I don't need you which, you know, maybe you don't for the basics, but there's still a culture in place. There's still a way that we do things and there's an expectation. And I think people who know it all aren't as open-minded to doing things in a particular way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you have an associate with you now at your practice? I do. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Walters, uh, he, he went to Loma Linda also. He's been with me for, man, it's almost uh, three years, I think. Okay. Uh, and then hired again. So we have somebody starting this summer. Okay, nice. Uh, so we're, yeah, Girl. we're fluctuating around three. We grew very, very quickly. Uh, and it's hard to keep associates around because I think like me, people want to move on and do bigger, better things. You know, I had a patient ask like, well, you know what, what happened to so-and-so? And I mean, I, I lost an associate recently and we're still friends. It wasn't like pretty particular reason it's just uh, I had to move up north you know and, and kind of just move on with life and I think compared to medicine we're still very entrepreneurial and almost everybody wants to do their own thing and be their own boss and make their own rules and so they go for a, a couple of years and go all right hey great thanks I got everything I need see you later you know and so yeah we want to be a part of that it would be great to have them stick around and you know, partner with them and open an office but it's not right for everybody yeah, no, that makes sense. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What would you say, like, in your opinion, is kind of the sweet spot for how many operatories work well, like how many hygienists to have each day? It's That's a hard question because it really depends on like who you are as a person. Um, like I don't hardly know you, but I feel like I know enough that you thrive on stress a little bit Yeah, and you just like to be busy and you like to figure it out and you like to problem solve and, and just like you bite off more than you can chew, but you figure out how to chew it, you know? And I'm kind of like that too. So for you, I think the bigger, the better, you're going to find a way to staff it. You're going to love the challenge of operating it. You're going to love, you know, Oh man, I lost somebody, but I'm going to find somebody. And you know, plug in and play in and, and stuff like that. So for, for somebody like you, I'd say go as big as possible just because the challenge is, is fun if you like that kind of challenge, right? So that's that's what I wanted to get into. I'm like, yeah, as much as we can do, let's do it. Um, even like first day you open, they're like, do you want to pay to build out a few chairs or more chairs? I'm like, as many as you'll let me build out, build them out. Like we're going to fill them up. Uh, but I had a friend who I worked with years ago he was like an associate, my senior had been there for a few years and he's very stressed out just by the volume, I think. And by the number of people in the practice, the number of pe- people to, I guess, keep track of. And since there were doctors, you know, your assistants would be the exact same person every day. The front office, you might have somebody to work with differently each day. And he just needed that control. And so he opened his own practice and I think he's so happy, you know? Uh, and it's like, three operatories and he does a lot of his own hygiene and he's just so much happier with just knowing exactly where everything's going to be. And if he leaves a pen on this table, it'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'm sure it's a lot of personal preference and how you want to practice. That makes sense. Would you say like as an owner, how many hours per week are you doing like clinical working with patients versus managerial running everything? It's a good question. I, I kind of mix it all together as, as you're doing a de novo, there's so much to do and like, you're always growing and always, always challenging yourself. And I think if my office had started slower, I probably would have been more structured in that. Uh, but we were like the day we opened, we had patients lined up at the door. And so it's been busy since day one and we've been just growing, just catching up with it. So okay you know, started out thinking like, Oh, I'll take a, a day off each week and do administration and stuff like that. And then they're like, Hey, we got, you know, 10 new patients. I'm like, Oh, well squeeze them in on that day. I'll do that instead. And so it's kind of done that way for me. Uh, I had just gotten to a point where I was doing Fridays and trying to do admin on Fridays. Uh, and then, uh, my associate moved up North. So now I'm picking up Fridays again. So generally I, I think like at least with Pacific dental services, there's so much there you could technically not do admin, right? There are people who probably don't do any of it at all. Uh, it depends on your level of commitment and I think how successful you want to be. I think if, if you rely on you know, one side of the relationship to do all of that work, then you're not getting the full potential out of it. And so I am still very involved with it. I like to know what's going on. I like to interview people who are going to the front and 
I make sure somebody has to get fired. I'm the one doing it just because I think it's my obligation. Uh, to, just as a leader, that's what you do. Um, the number of hours, like I just squeeze stuff in when I can because I just like to stay busy. And so I'll do lunchtime meetings and I'll do morning meetings. And I'll squeeze stuff in here or there and uh, work probably too much, not because I'm forced to, but just because I, I like it. I like working and I like trying to do better each day. So I make my life harder than it has to be. <laughs> yeah. But if that's like what you kind of thrive on, like, and you get excited as you see your business is growing so well, like that's something to be proud of too. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's palpable. You can, you can see the fruits of your effort, you know? So when you're putting in that much, um, just that much of your, your passion into something, it's great to see it grow. And so it's, it's almost addictive, right? You're like, oh my gosh, like I did this and this happened. You can see that cause and effect relationship and we'll continue doing it and see what happens and see where this takes us. And you get more and more invested in it and want to be more and more involved just to uh, try to do that. And then you get to a certain level that you need to learn how to turn it off a little bit and delegate. And that's when it gets really tricky. Yeah. That was one of my other things I wanted to talk to you about was like work-life balance and like having time for your family. How have you tried to maintain that? Uh, At first I didn't. So um, but it was, it was a very real conversation with my wife and I said, Hey, you know, I want to open a practice. I want to do a de novo. And I think the expectation should be that I'm going to work like a maniac because we can't afford for this to fail. Like I don't come from money. I got a bunch of student loans. Like we got to figure this out. It's going to work. It's like, so you're not going to see me for two years and we're going to blow through all of our savings. And that was like the expectation I said, just from the beginning, like I'm going to work like six days a week and like, we're going to make it happen. And it was more like we didn't blow through our savings. We made more money than we thought, uh, but she still didn't see me. <laughs> and I probably worked to that level for probably three years, I would say. And uh, started take, I, I don't think I took a vacation, like a real like vacation for at least two to three years. And then now I, I'm a lot more comfortable doing that because I have support. So I have associates who understand the culture. They can take care of patients comfortably. Uh, and I can get out and do stuff like that. And there are times when you can and times when you can't, uh, but I'm home. I try to be home every day by dinner. Uh, I, I wasn't before, but now my kids are getting a little bit older and I really want to be there. And so like, it's a bad habit, but I, I like to keep my day busy. So half the time I work all day and I don't do my notes and then I'll come home and have dinner, put my kids to bed and do my notes at night. And so at least I still get to see my, my family on time. I get home right on time and then sit down and watch TV and write my, my clinical notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. And it's, it's tough at the sacrifice you had to make, but it's paid off. So that's really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for where I'm at. I, I'm very fortunate and, uh, I, I had the benefit of working really hard growing up. Uh, my dad, we built like swimming pools for a living in the summer. It wasn't uncommon to work, you know, over 60 hours in 110 degree heat in central California. So air conditioning, like alone, you're like, yeah, I'm good. And then when I was trying to get into dental school, it took me like three times. I kept getting rejected. Uh, and it was heartbreaking, but while I was doing that, I was doing uh, research at the center for dental research from like seven in the morning until two. And then I change in the bathroom and I would go to the olive garden and I was a waiter until like 10 30 or 11. And I wake up and I did that every day for like three years. So once you get to school, like even dental school, I didn't put in that many hours. So 
the office is it's difficult and it's stressful and it's hard work but i worked more hours before so it's kind of like easier in some ways yeah it sounds like almost in your journey the years in dental school were like the least busy and least time consuming in a way yeah i love dental school it was great um i'm i'm so happy to be done but i would go back if i had to it was it was worth it yeah i have a few more questions about dental school in a minute but when you were talking about opening up your practice, you said that you were busy from day one. Do you think that was really good marketing? Were you just strategically in a high need area? What was the reasoning for that? So a little bit of everything. Um, I was fortunate enough that I was an associate down the street, right? So I was an associate in another Pacific Dental office that was like a mile and a half away. And so I, I think the most important thing you can do when you're starting out is reputation. And you can't just decide one day that you're going to be an owner and you're going to be different. I think if you're planning on owning an office or working towards ownership, that growth and that development has to start like now and you start acting like an owner. So even if you're just an associate, the decisions you make are acting the way that you would two years from now, the way that you treat your patients, the way you treat your staff, the way you develop people. Like you need to practice that. You need to start doing that so that you can attract staff, you can attract patients, um, whatever else you need to be successful, people already know what they're getting into, right? So the other half is we're in a tremendously fast growing area. And so we're like the very outskirts of where anybody would live in Southern California. Like it's not what people think of. <laughs> I still think it's great because I just have kids and we, you know, go to Target or whatever and go to the parks. Like there's not, you know, like super cool gastro pubs. Actually we're out by the wineries. So that's not too bad. But um the the places where people are moving to instead of from are great places to be because they're moving there and they have to look up, you know, who's going to be my dentist. They have to make that decision. Instead of if you're in an established area, people may choose to do that, but they're not forced to. Right. So when people are relocating to an area where they're building tons of homes or whatever, um, it makes it a whole lot easier. So we're, we're right in the middle of that where I think we have a perfect like trifecta of uh, really good patient care, we have a great online reputation. Uh, people like us and they tell their friends about us and there's a million people moving here. So it's like just the best of, of everything, I think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's good. Good planning. Like I said, strategic move of thinking where populations and communities are going to be headed over the next few years. So that's great. Um, I wanted to kind of transition the conversation before we wrap up just about your dental school experience. And I know you mentioned you reapplied to dental school. Do you want to speak a little bit about that process of getting accepted? Yeah. I mean, do you want me to go all the way back to like applying and stuff? How far do you want to go? Yeah. All right. (laughs) So I went to undergrad at a school called California Baptist University, and it was an awesome school. It was like the size of a high school. Like there was nobody there, um, but lots of nice kids. And the faculty was amazing. Like the nicest people who genuinely cared. There's one faculty, Dr. Prince. I'm going to shout him out because I love that guy. He's great. Um, and he like had no idea what he's doing, but he was committed to getting his students into professional school. Like he just 
was going to be the guy to figure it out. So he made all these connections and would go out to the like UCLA, Western University, USC, Loma Linda, and go to all these career fairs or whatever, where he could meet uh, admissions committee people and start like trying to push the school. Because uh, like I said, as far as I know, I was the first one to go from my undergrad because we had never done it before. And with that came a lot of naivety because, you know, now there, I feel like there are so many resources. Like I'm amazed when I look at like your YouTube channel and just Instagram, like everybody's got this like pre-dental tips and stuff. And like we had a student doctor network and that was kind of it. Uh, and it was just a bunch of people lying about how qualified they were pretty much just to make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> and so you're trying to just figure out what to do uh, because you didn't have an, I didn't have anybody who went before me and I didn't have uh, really any connections. So I missed the first application cycle. I applied as a senior and I didn't know any better. It's like, so I had to take a gap year. Um, when I took my DAT, I had a 13 and OCHEM, which is like embarrassing and abysmal. Uh, the reason I say that is just because there's probably other people who got 13s in OCHEM and it's like, you could figure it out. You know, uh, I was really good at PAT and reading comprehension, but my sciences sucked. Like, I don't want to be a scientist. I don't want to be a biologist. I don't want to be a chemist. Like I took the classes because I had to, not because I had any real passion towards it. If we're being honest, I should have majored in like art and then taken my prereqs and I would have been so much happier. But the first day I showed up at college, they're like, give me a dentist. All right. You're a biology major. And I went, okay, cool. And so I did that. Uh, I got zero interviews. I applied to like 15 schools, zero interviews, straight rejection letters. Like, and they came fast. So there was like no chance. Um, I applied again the second year and in doing so, since I got rejected, I had reached out to, I just like cold called the research lab and was like, Hey, do you guys need any externs? Like I'll work for free. They're like, I oh, don't usually do that. I'm like, can I come by and meet you? Can I come by for an interview tomorrow? Like, yeah, I guess. Sure. And so I came in and ended up getting a job where I worked for free for six months. So I worked like six hours a day for free every day. And just like menial lab tasks. Uh, we did spore tests for like sterilization assurance stuff to make sure the autoclaves worked. And then as I was there longer, they ended up paying me, I think, because they felt bad and got into some really cool uh, clinical trials and other types of research that was like just so fascinating. Uh, but again, the next year I, I retook the DAT. I think I got my LCHEM up from like a you're going to laugh. I think I got it up from a 13 to like a 16, <laughs> but man, that was progress. Right. And, uh, I, I didn't have any money. I mean, I, I paid for everything myself. So that's going to have to be good enough. Hopefully somebody likes me. And I applied to about six schools. I could do like all the Californias and then one in like Texas or so. I don't know. Just like, I just picked the school with like the lowest scores that I could find and like applied there, uh, rejected by everybody. I got an interview at Loma Linda this time. So I was psyched about it and they proceeded to destroy me because my GPA was like 3.2 and uh, my DAT sucked still. And so it's like, yeah, dude, there's like no way you'll, you'll get in here. It's not going to happen. Like we give you an interview, but like get real and kind of gave me some pointers on what I had to do if I wanted to get in. And so the next year I, I continued to work uh, and tried to do as many pointers as I could. But again, I was working full time at both of those jobs and trying to fit in classes. So I did like a organic chemistry class. And I did, what else did I do? I retook the DAT. I think I did one or two other things. Um, I got the OCHEM up to 17. I'm like, dude, it's like, that's as far as it's going to get. Like, it's not going to happen. So I got that up. And then the other scores were all like 
18, 19, and the PAT and reading comp were like 26s or something. And so I just applied to Loma Linda this time. I was like, you know what? Like, if we're being honest, nobody wants me. Like, they're getting sick of me. This is the only place that anybody's seen my face before. And I've walked up and down the halls enough and said hi to the admissions committee ladies that like, maybe there's a chance, right? And uh, I was sitting at home one day, I got a letter and there's a straight up rejection, no interview. And it, it broke my heart. I was, I was like, so, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever lost anything that important before, because I was at the point where my prerequisites were expiring. So they give you five years before you have to retech like gen chem, gen bio, all this other stuff. And so that was it. Like it's been five years since I took those classes. They're no longer valuable. I'm not going to go back to college for undergrad. Like, I guess I'm going to be a biology teacher. And it was like the darkest day of my life. <laughs> like I, I legitimately, I've never been so upset. Um, after I kind of composed myself, I called the Dean of research uh, who I worked for. And I was like, Hey, just want to let you know that um, I didn't get an interview. I got rejected. I don't know that I'll continue there. Like I'm just in a weird spot right now. We'll, we'll see where we're at. And like 20 minutes later, I got a call and it was like, Hey, Kyle, uh, we put your name in the wrong pile. Sorry. We'll go ahead and give you an interview next week. And I was like, what? Like, so obviously I'm psyched a little bit skeptical, but I'll take it. So I got it, went in there and uh, proceeded to get a flat tire on the way there in the rain, but I left super early because I was paranoid, changed my tire in my suit in the rain, got there on time and had an interview and uh, talked about the things that I'd done differently. Like there was an acknowledgement that things were, were a little bit better. Like, okay, there's, there's some hope here. Um, really leaned on like my research and stuff like that and uh, proceeded just to wait. And so I, I didn't get a call until I think it was like March. And so I got accepted in March and it was, it was a long wait. Best day of my life. Like, I've had kids and I'm married. It's not my best day, but really, really close, right? Like, I can't say that. <laughs> but uh, up until that point, like, I've never been so, like, fulfilled and so happy. So uh, I talked to my wife. I'm like, hey, either we're getting married before or after dental school. I'm going to dental school. So that's either going to be now or it's going to be in four years. We're like, let's get married. So we got married. And I got a call from the fifth floor. And they're like, hey, we need to talk to you. And I go in there. And they're like, you know, we just don't think you did enough. We're going to we think we're going to take it back. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, there was some notes in your file about things that you were supposed to do and you didn't do all of them. So uh, we're not comfortable offering you a seat anymore and we're going to take it back. And I was like, no, no, you know, it's not going to happen. And they're like, well, you know, you have to understand the position we're in. I was just like, no, I don't understand it. And I don't care. Like, I'm going to be here. You're going to figure it out. Like, sorry. And I, uh, I don't even remember what happened. I think I was in shock. Like, I don't remember anything after that. I just remember being like, so terrified and so like blown away that somebody would do that. Um, and somehow I still ended up at school, I think, cause I was like, no, like that's, I'm going to come anyways, even if you don't give me credit, like I'll just be here. I'm just going to bug you guys. <laughs> and so I, I remember the first day of school. I remember meeting everybody. It was amazing. I was so excited. Uh, Loma Linda does a biochemistry for summer. Like you start and it's just like three weeks of biochemistry. The entire class is three weeks long. That's it. So it's like all day long for like six hours. You get it out of the way and then you move on. 
And the first test, uh, the guy was super nice. He's like, you can have a study guide. And the kid next to me, um, I had like a complex because I felt super dumb because I, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. They already told me I'm not going to be able to. They've already said the fire hose in your mouth type of thing like a thousand times. And he seemed super smart. And he's like, oh, I'll make the front. You make the back. I was like, uh, like, okay, sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? And we get there and it was just gibberish. Like his side was like the most unhelpful, like unreadable, illegible, terrifying thing I've ever seen. And I got the second lowest score in the class. And so like straight to the fifth floor, they're kind of like, and I told you so. And I'm like, hey, I know I screwed up. You'll never see me up here again. And luckily I got that one extra chance and they never saw me there again. And it, it certainly turned something on. I mean, I, I did everything I could at school. Like anytime there's an opportunity to stay late, I took it. Anytime there's an opportunity to lead a club, I would do it. Uh, anytime there was volunteer, like service stuff, I would do it. We ended up running every like community clinic at Loma Linda. We did like homeless clinics, student clinics, multiple times a week. We got awards from the ADA for having the best run clinics. Um, uh, ASDA type stuff, we called it DSA. And then I was actually in ASDA and it was just like every opportunity that I could to try to prove that they made a bad decision, I think. I, I don't know if that's what was going on or if I was just trying to prove it to myself, but I did like every single thing that was possible. Um, and I think that's why I had such a hard time when I graduated because it was like, I had so many different like things going on and then they all just stopped, you know? So again, like the community of like PDS really worked for me because like now I, I've been an owner for almost five years and I, I speak, um, I teach, you know, I teach CAD CAM classes. I teach CBCT. Uh, I get to, you know, have access to so many different people and their knowledge and information that you get to challenge yourself daily because it's like, Hey, I want to start doing all on fours. And the guy down the street does them and we don't really compete with each other because we're friends. I'm just going to have him teach me how to do it. Like, well, there's a little bit more to it. I haven't done all on fours yet, but kind of went that way with implants and kind of went that way with Invisalign. And we help support each other and build each other up and talk about how, hey, my office is doing really well. Let's compare this and that. And maybe if you do this differently, you'll do well too. And so it's a super supportive community of a bunch of people who like to have fun with each other. It's pretty cool. That's great. And it that was cool to kind of walk through all your journey with you. It was a emotional roller coaster. It's I know. So fun listening. <laughs> My goodness. But I mean, I'm definitely, I just admire your perseverance there. That's incredible. And it, I'm just happy to see that everything worked out in the end. I appreciate it. Me too. I could have gone a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we wrap up, what are some of the things you mentioned just kind of jumping at every opportunity in dental school, but are there anything else that you did in dental school that you feel like helped you when you started working? Um, so I, I think, I think people have it backwards in dental school. Yeah. Half your class is trying to leave as soon as they can. They're playing games during lecture. They're, oh, I did one filling and I got four hours of free time now. And like, if you really sat down and thought about how expensive every minute you're at school really costs you, you'd be begging people to talk longer and you'd be trying to do as much as possible. And so I think that's what I did one day where I was talking with somebody. I can't remember exactly why, but uh, I would never leave early. If my patient no showed, I would help somebody do an impression or I would shadow an upperclassman or talk to somebody about cases or go sit in pros or whatever. 
And I think really just taking advantage of the safety net that is dental school and trying to get as much exposure as possible, not being afraid to push yourself and make a mistake while you got somebody who will bail you out. You know, so there's, there's so much that can be done there and people don't take advantage of it because they want to go home early. And so it's four years of your life, but like, I did not feel like I had to do a GPR when I left. Like I, I didn't think that was anything that I would ever do. And there were other people like, Oh, I'm gonna do a GPR. It's like, wow. Like if you just like, you know, paid attention in class and tried a little harder, that's not fair. I have friends who did GPRs who were super smart. They just wanted to, right. Cause you get like implant endo, all this stuff. But like, there's a difference between wanting to and feeling like you have to. And I think some people have to because they're just not, I don't know. You probably shouldn't say that. That's not fair to people. GPRs are cool. But um, the, the thing is, I think so many of us don't give it everything we have. And if you, you know, you're allowed, oh, you have a patient for four hours. It's like, well, nobody said I couldn't have two patients or three patients in that four hours. It's just most people do one. So why not do two or three? if you can like, yeah, it's a ton of work and it's really, really hard. Um, but even on lab lab stuff, uh, I would always go as fast as I possibly could because one day I'm not going to have four hours to make a prep and attempt, you know? So pushing yourself to learn as much as you can and be as fast as you can. And eventually you realize, man, my 10 minute prep is almost exactly the same as my three hour prep. I just did it a lot slower. And you can start pushing yourself just to be faster and more efficient, more effective. So when you're working on patients, they actually enjoy being there. They don't feel like they're being tortured for four hours. Yeah, that's very true. And I definitely like what you ended with there that like, it's as long as you're doing good work, like the patients appreciate when it's faster too. (laughs) They like to get in and out of there quicker. Yeah. I mean, good has to be the, the, the main goal, right? You can't be fast and horrible, but being really slow and perfect is not as important as being really fast and really good, you know? So there's perfect and there's really good. And like you have cement, like it's going to fill in that little ripple, like whatever. Uh, I think people hold themselves to these super, super high standards, which is awesome. But there's like all these pictures on Instagram of everything being just the most beautiful, perfect, amazing thing. And like really clinically, is it, is it going to make that big of a difference? Probably not. And if you're trying to get better every single day, like that's why it's called practice, you know, but you, you cannot, I just don't see it as being helpful for anybody. If it takes you hours and hours and hours to complete a, a, a regular task, you have to think about the business side too. You want to run a practice. You want to generate revenue. You want to have financial freedom. You can't do that by doing one or two things a day. So once you can increase that capacity and work a little faster, more efficiently, you can generate more revenue too. And you have time to do admin stuff. You have time to coach people. You have time to train people and keep generating that or growing also. Time is like the only thing that you can't get more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd rather work fast and have more time. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see what you're saying. Um, I know you gave a lot of great advice already and we kind of talked through like your whole journey, but do you have any closing thoughts or like final advice you want to leave for dental students? Do something that scares you every day. That's it. So uh, whether it's in school or whether you're an associate, I mean, I'm not talking like scary, like you're going to be arrested, but when you have that doubt, like, man, I'm not going to pull out that tooth. That's crazy. I'll refer it. It's like, what if I did? I'm going to, I'm going to try it. Like what's going to happen? You know, if, if 
you have major fears, like don't ignore that. There's always something in your gut that tells you, yeah, maybe don't do this, but don't let that fear of like, what if I fail prevent you from trying new things, you know, do your research and plan it out a week ahead and watch a ton of videos on it. Ask a bunch of people how to do it better, but just do it. And so I think every day you should do something that scares you, whether it's having a tough conversation with an employee about, Hey, you know, you're not really at where I need you to be at or uh, confronting a patient who's being abusive or uh, doing, you know, that extraction that you're afraid to do. That's the only way that you're going to grow and nobody's going to make you do it. So I think every day you got to do something that you're just like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go do it. And you'd be surprised how quickly you grow by doing that. That's good advice and something I need to hear. I'm, I'm always working on it, but I definitely am the type to want to kind of stay in my comfort zone, but that's not really possible in dental school now. So it's, <laughs> it's, good. it's forcing me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll definitely help if you make that deal with yourself. Yeah. Um, is there a good way for people to contact you if they have questions and like your Instagram so they can follow what you're up to? Yeah. Um, I I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, it's Dr. Kyle Polson. So D R K Y L E and Polson gets spelled wrong all the time, but it's P O U L S E N. Um, and I think one of the things to know is that, uh, I was always afraid to ask for help. There are so many people who want to help, like really, like it's just innately, I think in them. And, uh, if you need help, reach out, I'd be happy to, uh, but there's a ton of other people too. You reach out, people like to give each other advice. People like to be the one to, to help you get to where you're going. So uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. Of course. It was so great to meet you and to talk to you in person. Yeah, you too.